Good morning, familia. Good morning. It is good to be with you guys. So, so good. All right. How many guys have ever flown in a plane? Right, all of us, right? Most of us, hopefully, right? Maybe. Anybody could tell me what's the most important part of flying? The pilot, yeah, yeah, that, that would be good, yeah. What, how many else, would, what would you say? The landing, right? The landing, and also the? Taking the taking off, right? Okay, I'm gonna give you a secret. So, when you go to school to learn this, you go to a class called homiletics. It's a fancy way of saying how to preach, right? And you know what the guy, our professor says? Uh, he says, the most important part of any sermon is the takeoff, or what we call the introduction, okay? So here's going to be my takeoff. Hopefully, I'm not going to blow it, and everyone's going to say amen, right? So pay attention, all right? So one of the ways they always talked about what I learned was when you do a takeoff, right? So if I'm talking about love, what's the opposite of love? So guess what I emphasize in the introduction? Hate, right? And I get you guys to feel that and experience that, and you're like, okay, but what's, then what's the answer? And the answer to hate is? Love. See, you guys got it, all right? Good, okay. Now, uh, if I could see my Bible, that would be good. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28. And when you're there... Please say amen. amen. All right, that's three of us. All right, the other 75. Let's go. Catch up. Matthew 28. The Great Commission. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to again thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor. God, would you just anoint your servant right now? Please, I need your help just to teach your good word. And I, God, I pray that every heart would be open and ready to receive and obey what you have commanded us to do until you come back. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen. amen. Matthew 28, okay? Here we go, beginning in verse 16. There we go. I put a stopwatch so I know when to shut up, okay? If not, I'll be here all day. Good. Pastor Dell uses the, the iPad, and I've tried that in the past, but then it always happens to me, it, Satan gets in it, and it goes somewhere else, and then I'm going, this stupid thing doesn't work, so I'm old-fashioned, I like paper, okay? All right, very good. Let me ask what a question. This is the beginning of the introduction. Ready? Okay. What does it mean to have values? Church, what does it mean to have values? Right? Things you believe in, right? The values are the beliefs. Let me explain it to you. Webster's Dictionary. The values are the beliefs or principles that you believe are important in the way that you live and work. Right? What is the most common thing that the world says about us that we are? Yeah, hypocrites. Why? 
Because we say something and then we do the complete opposite. True or not true? And now nobody's perfect. I have, have you ever failed? I have. Just this morning. You know, I know I have because I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. You've failed. We've all failed. But we are trying to be holy. Amen? Amen, right? Let me give some definitions of values, okay? Values are individual beliefs that motivate people to act one way or the other. They serve as a guide for human behavior. So you, it's funny, right? You watch people and go, oh, I believe in this. But they do the complete opposite. And you go, mm-hmm. really? You believe that? I grew up in Chicago. Like my, how many of us grew up in Chicago? Okay, right? We grew up in the hood. I grew up in a neighborhood called, you know, neighborhood, hood, you know. And there were some people on the street that had some certain values, right? And if you try to pretend that you were one of them and they caught you because you were trying to be them without living like them, they would do what's a thing called an SOS. So I'm going to give you some urban ebonics. Ready? See, you're learning a lot of stuff here. An urban ebonic, an SOS, means to smash him on sight. So the minute you see him, he's going to get beat up or even killed. Why? Because you're trying to be somebody you're not. You know? And these were the gang members. Okay? Could you imagine if the church did that? <laughs> We'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Why? Because they have values. So put it like this. It doesn't matter the core values you have, all right? It matters that you have core values, that you preserve them over time, that you are passionately committed to them, and that you align your behaviors and your organizational practices, structures, and strategies to those core values. Could anybody guess what our core values are? Yeah, thank you. Yes, they're on the wall now. Right there, love, live, give, go. Now, which one do you think is the most important? Really? Okay. We're going to test that theory. Ready? Love is our worship. We, we were experiencing and doing love right now, giving God all of our worship and then loving our neighbors itself. Yes, we want you to live in love. We want you to act love. Why? Because God is love. We want you to live life in relationship. Like even yesterday, I loved it, that our sister's having a baby, and then some of the ladies caught together and had a baby shower for her, you know? And then we want you to give it away, not your money. We want you to give you away. Everything that you are, give it away. For whoever loves his life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses his life will gain it. You got to give it away. That's your purpose here. Just give it away. And then we're going to go. Now, church, if we said we love people and we love God, but we never worshiped, you would call us what? Hypocrites. These are not just on the wall for decoration. We are hoping and praying that this is going to be your life. This is the way this church is deciding to live and do its mission. And we're going to be on mission until Christ comes back. This is why I came here. I've been here one year now, amen? Amen. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. It has been exciting and fun, but you know, it's funny, when I met Pastor Dell a couple years ago, two years ago, two and a half years now, because of that crazy guy right there, um, Pastor Dell said, hey, would you come and be with me? And I was, I, I, I think I told you this, I was like, are you, are you seriously? You, you want me to be, be with you? And he goes, yeah, I need, I need you. I'm like, okay. So I came for a specific purpose, not only to be by Pastor Dell, but to help this church move forward in its vision for the next, we're going to call it next thousand days. That's about three years. Okay, and then we're going to do it again and do it again until Christ comes back. So the values is what we're living by, okay? I'm just jumping all this, mushing it all together. This is the best way I learned a value, what a value is, okay? I read this book called Good to Great. Anybody ever read Good to Great, Jim Collins? Really good book. If you haven't read it, read it. It's a business book. But it's basically the thesis is the enemy of great is good. If you settle for being good, you'll never be great. Makes sense, right? And he went and proved it and showed all these companies. But I loved his definition of a value. Ready? He said, a value is not a real value until you're willing to lose money over it. That's from a business guy, right? That's funny, right? Because business guys in business, what is the bottom line? To make what? Money. money. And hey, I don't, I don't begrudge you for that. Make your money. Praise God. Because that money feeds, you know, people work there. They feed their families. They build it up. Hey, we all do that. That's Okay. But he said a real value isn't really a value until you're willing to lose money over it. Ladies and gentlemen, the goal for us until Christ comes back is to make disciples. That is our job. That is our mission. Anything else other than that is pretending to be a church. Wow. Did I step on toes this morning? I'm sorry. Remember, if we can't say amen, what do we say? Okay. All right? That's okay. Testify. Tell God, yeah, that hurt. Okay? Uh, how are we going to make disciples? Based on our values. So our love, live, give, go our, gives us our structure. It gives us our basis. Well, how are we going to make disciples? So Pastor Dell, not being here today, we were going to start with love. But he's like, hey, I'm not going to be there. So you're going to do your part. And guess which one I'm doing? And which one it is? It is? Go. We're going. Okay, we're going. How about you? Do you guys got values? Home values, right? How we live as a family, right? We do, right? We even have a mission, you know, like a kind of like a mission statement even for our family, you know? Why? You know, years ago when my wife and I got married, we, you know, we told our kids when they were old enough, we said, hey, as a pastor and a pastor's wife, I said, God might call us to more than one church, maybe. But our job as a family is to be poured out so that others might be refreshed. Do you understand? So I told my kids, so if we have to leave one church, and I know it's going to be hard for you because you're going to leave your friends and the people we love, we're obeying God. Do you understand? And, and they're like, okay, Dad, we go where you go. I said, amen. Okay, because we're a family. I remember telling them that like years ago. <laughs> I still have it. Why? Because that's the way the Valentines are. So what are your values? Okay? 
What about your family values? Okay? Church. Would you expect Long Grove Community Church to do what it says and says what it does? Right? You would expect us to love and to live and to give and to go. And if we're not doing that, you would call us what? Hypocrites. And that's what the world would. The world's like, oh, you guys are fake. Isn't there enough fake in this world? Right? Everybody does that every day, right? On Facebook? I mean, Facebook, right? <laughs> Come on. You can't be happy every day. All right? I don't you hate it? You turn it on, and you're like, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm having the best day of my life. I'm like, you're lying. You, you, you did that yesterday and the day before and the day before. It's like you never go have a bad day. Okay? You're like, come on. For real? I don't, the, the ugliest thing I think in the world would be for me as a believer is to be called a hypocrite. I know it is as a pastor. Oh, you're, you're fake. And I, I, that would demolish me. That would like, oh. You know, I'm all of five foot six, 170 pounds. I tell my wife, I said, there's not enough room in this body for two people. I could only live one way and be one man. So who you see here is the same guy I, I'm at home. That's me. You know, my kids think I'm old and boring. That's okay. They're, they're young and uninteresting, you know? That's, or even. It's like, oh, it's like, it's like, I don't like you either, dude. Right. You know? My, my daughter's like, but I'm 10. Yeah. Da-da-da, you know? Anything short of that is hypocritical. You ever meet a hypocrite? Come on. Yeah, you ever meet people who say, oh, yeah, I go to church every day. Every Sunday I'm there. And then you see them Friday night at the club or Saturday night, you know. I grew up in a particular tradition that it was all about the tradition. You know, we would have these things called, um, what do you call it? We did it. Um, Baptism and communion, right, and all that stuff, especially for our children. I, this, I'm not saying this bad about you. This is me. This is my family. We, and I, I can remember this, we had a baptism for one of my nieces and nephews, and then everybody came back to the house and got drunk. And I thought, now that I look at it and I understand the meaning, I'm going, man, we were such hypocrites. Did we not know what it meant? Did we not know who we communion? When we got baptized, did we know who, who we were saying we were with? No, it was all just an excuse to like, yay, party, you know? And then the world looks at us and goes, oh, my gosh, you guys, why can't you just do what you say and say what you do? Long Grove, we're going to say what we do and do what we say. We're going to live by these four things, and we hope... By the end of the February 18th, this is all going to come to a culmination on February 18th. So stick with us. We've got five weeks. We're going to go over each one. We're going to explain it. We're going to unwrap it so that you know it. We're going to show you our what and our why. Today we're talking about our why. Okay? And then we'll get to our what. But I want to emphasize what is your why. Why do we do what we do? It's an important question to ask, especially for adults. Do you think our values 
match what we're doing and we're saying here? If you don't, you got every permission to say, you guys are fake. But I'm telling you, this is what we're doing. This is how we're living. Okay? This is what we mean to do and want to do. This is the church we are and are becoming. And we hope and pray that it is what you are also becoming. Amen? So let's get into the text. Okay? Because anything short of that, okay? And we want to do this. We want to live transformed lives, people. Amen? Amen? We want you to reflect Christ in everything he says and does so that when people go and they see you, go, man, why are you different? And it would be so cool when they go, oh, we know who you guys are. And without ever saying, oh, yeah, you're Long Grove. How do you know? Yeah, we know what you guys be about. That, well, that's another term in the city. What you be about? What you be about? You know, sorry, I'm, I'm throwing all the urbanics today, right? What you be about? I be about Jesus, right? I be about Jesus. What you be about? Jesus, you know, that's it. That's the answer. So I'm asking, are you living a transformed life? Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Read, follow along with me. He says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Now think about it. Christ was crucified, buried three days, rose, and did a crash course for the next 40 days on the kingdom of heaven. And all the disciples were with him, and they saw him. So when they get to the mountain, when he tells them, hey, meet me at this mountain, there's about 500 of them now. Okay? They get there, and when they see him, what did they do? They worshiped him. Why? Because he's the only one worthy of worship. But then some of them doubted until he took the expressway over home, right? Right before he ascended. And Jesus came and said to them, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. So what's the final command for the church? Make disciples. That is what we do. If you ever, um, I was a Marine. My brother back there was a Marine. If you go to Paris Island, to the Marine Corps, right when you get onto the island, the mission statement is right there. It says, it doesn't say welcome. I don't know what it says, but it says this. It says, we make Marines. That's the mission statement. 13 weeks later, you come out a knucklehead. I mean, a Marine, you know? Crazy, huh? That's what they do. We make disciples. That is what we're supposed to do. The central command is to make a disciple. At the heart of the mission is the reproduction of others, of what Jesus produced in us. Faith, obedience, growth, authority, compassion, love, and bold, truthful message. That's all of his good witness. We're learners, right? We're disciples. I'm being transformed on a daily basis. Amen? I hope you guys are. And I'm trying to live this transformed life so that when people see me, they go, oh, I, don't see, I don't see Santiago, but I do see this little picture of Christ. Tiny one, because he's only five foot six. Um, but that's what it means to be Christian. Christian means small picture of Christ. 
Christian. Okay, that's your second word you learned for today, right? That's what we're supposed to be. So how do we make disciples, right? How do we make a disciple? That's what we're going to talk about. Number one, go to the text, Matthew 18. What? Making disciples requires we go. That is the first principle, that we go. It's a participle, meaning it is in the past tense. We're going to who? I put in italicis, to them, right? Because what are you doing? I'm going to them. First, it's the emphatic position, okay? Before making disciples, it's, it's in the aorist tense now. Don't get, I, keep, I, have to, I forget my Greek. But aorist tense means basically the past tense. You are not go, you are going, okay? It's like if you've already done it. Can I get the first principle up there? Number one, there you go. Okay. Oh, no, you went ahead. All right, there's so much. You go in the context of the Greek. Okay, forget that. Going is one of the three means by which we fulfill the central command to make disciples. Going means more than traveling across a geographical border, okay? Although it is part of that. Jesus meaning, the point is that we as believers are active. We are not inert. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to this church, Here's another principle that we're, gonna, that we're building this church on. We believe that every person here is a partner in the gospel. You understand? You are a partner. Your job is not to come here on a Sunday, sit for an hour and a half, and then go back home. That's not your job. Here we gather to grow. For one hour, hour and a half, we get encouraged, we get replenished throughout the week, you're in life groups and other stuff, but you, we gather to grow so that we could be scattered to serve, amen? That's what we're here for. You're not here just to see, oh, that's nice, put your money in the bucket and go. No, your job is to be an active living participant. You are a partner. Just like when you ask that woman to marry you, you say, hey, would you be my partner for life? Would you take my hand, walk with me, and let's do life together? And she says yes, and you're like, yay, right? You go. When we're asking you, and you come to be part of this church, we're not asking you just to sit there. We're saying, hey, you wanna, you're going to partner with us. You're gonna, we're going to do it because the pastors here are going to train you, Ephesians 4.11, and then you guys are the team, okay? You guys are the team. Okay, me and Pastor Dell and the staff, we're just here to coach you, get you up, get you ready, prepare you, and then you go out and fight the devil. No, I go with you too, but, you know, you understand? Am I emphasizing that too much? Not enough? Let me say it again. You're the team. You're going, okay? You're going. I, I hate I, my little 10-year-old, you know, I love her to death. Sophia, you better be watching. Um, yeah, she is with her mama. You know, she's, she's beautiful, but she's starting to um, get on my last nerve now because she's becoming a preteen. And um, I go, hey, have you done that? I'm going. I was like, yeah, you better go. You know, like, I'm going. And that's, yeah, I, you know, hey, hey, Jesus, hey, have you done it? I'm going. I'm, don't you see me? I'm going. That's you. You better be going. You better be going. Going means crossing boundaries to make disciples. Going across the street, you better go. Going to dinner with an unbelieving friend, you better go. Going to the inner city and to the hood with me, yep, we're going, right? It's called Waukegan. It's right down the street over here, all right? I know. 
I know, right? You're like, really? Yes, really. Yeah? Going beyond our own comfort zone to make the gospel accessible to the lost. We got to go. We have to go. There was this great, and there's this great uh, illustration. How many have ever seen the movie um, or the show, The Twin Towers? It talks about 9-11, how they crashed, right? Have you seen it? And at the, in the movie, there is some firemen who were trapped. Anybody see it? I was trying to find it. I actually have it on CD. I was going to play it. But in the, in the movie, the firemen are trapped, and they're behind all the rubber. In true life, there was, I'm sorry to say it, there was a Marine, Holly. And he went in by himself. And he found them first. And he gets on top of the building because the guys were like, you know, clicking, binging on the metal. And he heard the metal. And he responds. He goes, hey. And the guy, and the guy is the fireman. is like, oh, my gosh, somebody heard us. He goes, I hear, I hear you, I hear you. He goes, don't leave me. Don't leave us. And he goes, and he says, he goes, we're the Marines. And the guy, the fireman goes, the Marines are here. And he goes, you better not leave us. He goes, and this is the most beautiful part. He goes, I'm not leaving. You are my mission. I got to save you, dude. Everything short of that is a failure. That's the goal, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know that this world is behind enemy lines. We have an enemy right there, and he's got people bound and captive by drugs and all this junk. And us who have been rescued out of the world, called out of the world, we have one mission. We got to go back and bring somebody else with us. Amen? Amen. We got to go. We have to go. I, I get the distinct honor of going every day. I go into my companies. I, I minister to about 900 employees every week. And I'm their pastor at work. Okay? Some of them call me Padre because they come from a Catholic background. You know, hey, Padre. And I'm like, hey, what's up? God bless you. Some of them call me pastor. Hey, pastor, what's up? Some of them call me, hey, you. And I'm like, yes, I'll come. You know, but I go. And every week, every day I go. Every day you have to go. Why? We have to be going. We have to be going. Listen to this, okay? That's the purpose. Our mission, we're on a rescue mission, church, is to bring as many people that are lost out of darkness into light so they could be a transformed being by meeting Jesus Christ and go to heaven with us. Amen? Amen. But it's more than that. We got to be salt and light here. Why we're here. Okay? Living a transformed life is going with a purpose every day. When you get up, gentlemen, guys, talking to the guys now, when we get up in the morning, you get up and you go to work, right? Right? Amen? Why? Because you got a purpose. Every day I got I to get up. I got to get up. Ladies too, right? If you're a mommy, you know, and you're raising a baby and you're nurturing it and taking care of it, you know, you get up and you go, hey, I got I to take care of this baby. Why? Because he's depending on me. We have to go. There are people lost in your, in your family, neighbors, at work, if you're in school, that are going to go to hell because you're keeping your mouth shut. And I'm saying go there and preach this sermon. I'm saying go be light in the darkness. 
Go. So they'd be going, wow, what? why are you different? Let me tell you why. And you tell them. We're not just going, but we're going to all nations. Jesus' disciples were to reproduce, reproduce all other disciples of all the other nations. The word nations here is in the plural form. It comes the word ethnos. There's, another, there's your Greek word for today, ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity, right? Amen? Meaning people groups. He was hinting at their fulfillment of the commission would ultimately lead to the second coming. Until, until we fulfill our mandate, Christ is not coming back. But understand this, Satan's job and what he's trying to do is to get us to move it down the road. Move it down the road. Why? Because he knows that the end is coming. If you really want to, and I'm, gonna, I'm warning you this, if you, if you, if you, you want to see Satan hard and fast, start evangelizing. And you will see him show up in your face ugly. It's spiritual warfare, but don't be afraid because Christ is with us. Okay? He was telling the, the, the significance of Matthew ended his gospel, right? Matthew's gospel is to the Jews. And isn't it significant? Isn't it? I love it. He tells, hey, to all my Jewish brothers, you guys are going to reach the world. You guys are going to go out and reach not just yourselves, but everybody. They were to reproduce, reproduce and produce other believers. It was a unifying church, okay? And I praise God that even here at this church, we have together Jew and Gentile worshiping together at this church. Amen? Amen. We have people from Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America, all worshiping together. Why? Because this is what kingdom of heaven is like. This is what heaven's going to be like. It's just not one ethnicity or one people group. It's everybody from the whole world, all nations. Amen? Even the west side. Okay? Even the west side. Like, where are you from? I'm on the south side, man. No. Yes, even the south side. Okay? Everybody is coming. You got to minister and go to everyone, not just the people that you like or look like you. Don't do that, church, because you might be surprised that the only person who could possibly reach that crazy person next to you that might look completely different to you is you, because that's why God placed you there. You got to go. And I know, but my wife and I, we, we, when we were working with, we worked with uh, teenagers for 17 years. We had our house filled with kids every week. I mean, we... We were the house, you know that house where everybody, the teenagers all go to? That was us. We were making spaghetti like three days a week because we were feeding them, loving them. They were just hanging out. The girls would be with my wife. The boys would be with me, you know? We, it was funny. We, had a, we, had a, we have a family of five, but it felt sometimes like we had a family of 50, you know, because we had so many kids coming. And, we, and, we, and I couldn't pick and choose which ones came and which ones didn't. I had black kids, white kids, Asian kids, all in the house, you know? Loved them to death, even the gangbangers, you know? I had some crazy, I could tell you some crazy stories, you know? And I literally, one time, I got a story that and the inside my jaw dropped, but outside I was like, yeah, that's nice, okay? You know, but I'm inside I'm going, oh my gosh, like you need Jesus, like bad, you know, like, you're bad, you know? You know? 
I've sat across, I've sat across killers. I've sat across pedophiles. I've sat across rapists, murderers. I've been face to face with these guys. Not because I'm special, because even them, God loves them. And Christ died for them. And until you go and show them a little love and mercy, they won't see Christ. Amen, church? So it's not just pick and choose. Everyone, everyone has a right and has a chance to get in. God also implies that we support our people who are literally going to other countries. We must support the global outreach financially as we support not only with our pocket, but with our heart. Remember last week, ARA was here, right? Wasn't that beautiful, right? Africans reaching Africans, right? That was gorgeous. And to hear those stories of those women coming to Christ out of Islam and those other things, and yet they're going, hey, we got saved so we can do what? Oh, yeah, we get to sit in church and not do anything. No, they're going, what are we doing? We're going back, right? How about, how, but they're going to kill you. It doesn't matter if they kill me. I know where I'm going. But if I don't go, my friends are going to die and go to hell. I got to go. I, and then, I mean, wasn't it convicting? It was convicting. Church, we haven't seen that here in, in this country. Not yet. Not yet. We got to get ready. We're getting ready. The battle's going to come here. The fight is coming here. It's already coming here. Don't be, as we say in the hood, don't get it twisted. You're, you're in it too. You can't stay a neutron here. You're either in or you're out. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There is no neutrons in this war. You've already been picked. I'm sorry, That was that too hard? Okay, I'm sorry. All right. I'll repent tomorrow, all right? <clears throat> we also go when we support, okay? We just, not, we, we, have to, we have to give ARA and all these other things, uh, missions that we're supporting, we gotta not only give them our, our money to, so they could go, but we gotta give them our heart. We gotta be praying for them and encouraging them and equipping them. You know, we, just this past year, we opened up a new front in the Dominican Republic with Pastor Franco and Yvette, right, his wife. And they're reaching, okay, hundreds of kids for the gospel in, this, in the Dominican Republic. Beautiful. Hopefully we'll be with them soon and we'll be on the ground too with them. But it's not enough just to go now or go later. We got to be going. And going is not just in the past tense, but in the present tense that we're giving, we're praying, we're supporting. So you understand where we're going? What are we doing? We are what? Going. Say it again. We are? Okay, two people know. All right? We got to go. Every culture, every person, doesn't matter who they are, we got to share the good news with them. Okay? We make disciples as we are going. So as we are going, as you're living your life, as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're doing this, as you're doing that, as you are going, what do you do? You make a disciple. You cultivate the ground. You water a little. You seed it a little better. You put some fertilizer on it, okay? And you watch it grow. Point number two. Point number two. Making disciples requires rebaptizing them. Remember last week, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, right? Right? Two weeks ago? Verse 19, second part. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It talks about our identity, 
our identity. Second, we come to this participle of baptizing, okay? It means to continually immerse them, right? I always joke around, they're like, hey, how do you baptize? I go, in our church, we hold you down until you really repent, you know? Like, let me up. Like, no, repent for real. Demon, come out. No, all right? right? Wouldn't that be funny? I think it's funny, but, you know, Pastor Dell won't let me do it. Um, Because baptism was so closely associated with the decision of faith, okay? You see it in Acts 238, 8.36, 10.47. It may be best seen as baptizing as Jesus. It was saying, hey, if you're going to be with me, you got to look like me. You got to act like me. You got to talk like me. When when the, when the rabbis would make a disciple, they would take that disciple home and you would learn to live with your, your teacher, your rabbi, right? And whatever your rabbi did is that's what you would do. Now, I'm going to joke around here. Please don't get offended, okay? So just for illustrative purposes, right? So if your rabbi walked like this, you know, guess what you learned to do? You were like, okay, that's how he does it, you know, and you would walk. I'm joking, but they were so serious. They would do everything you do. That mode of baptism is a mode of identification. See, when we baptize here, it doesn't give you brownie points with God. It doesn't save your soul. But it's telling the world, hey, world, I'm no longer with you. I'm no longer at the clubs. I'm no longer shacking up with so-and-so. I'm not doing any of this. I got a new character, a new calling. I am his now, so I want to look like him and talk like him and act like him. So guess what I do? I get baptized to symbolize my new life in Christ. And when we go under the water, it was a being saying goodbye to the old you. And then when you come out of the water, you're supposed to now identify with the new you. But it's not just like, think of it not just like a one-time event. It's that you're constantly, we do it once, but you guys should be thinking about me too, every day, am I being immersed in Christ so that I look like him? Could people see me and see Jesus? If I kept my mouth shut and they just walked and talked, would they go, oh, that looks like Christ? Or would they say, oh, that looks like Santiago? And hopefully Santiago and Christ are synonymous, okay? Hopefully David and Christ are synonymous, amen? Hopefully Jeff and Christ are synonymous, right? And Sharon, right? And Linda. That when they see you, they see who? Christ. Because you've been identifying with him. Baptism is not a step of salvation. Rather, it's the initial step of obedience, Okay? It's the result of a person's decision to trust the Messiah. Baptism represents the identification of people with the new way of life and faith. Okay? That's what it is. The old you is gone. The new you has come. So you, we say, hey, get baptized. Don't be afraid to be identified with Christ. I got to meet a, uh, a missionary in the Eastern Bloc countries. And he was, and I loved it. This is where I first learned about it. He was from that country reaching his own people. I loved it. And I, for me, that's the best way, right? Because if I, and I love missionaries, 
But if you go to a missionary, right, and you're like, hey, now I got to send you to missionary school, then I got to send you to language school, then you have to learn the culture and everything else, and then we, we insert you in. I just think, hey, why don't we just get one of them saved? And then they know their people, their language, their customs, their culture. We'd have to teach them all that, <laughs> and they could do it. Makes sense, huh? Right? And this guy, he, he was doing that, but one thing he said, he would tell the people, he goes, I will not baptize you. And the guys were like, why? He goes, in this country, if the police see you being baptized, because there was no things that you, they were baptized in the rivers there. He goes, they write your name down, they take a picture of you, and they come visit you at 3 in the morning. And you never, you never hear from you again. So he goes, so unless you're ready to die, don't tell me you want to be baptized. Because you're faking it. Your identity is with Christ. And if your identity was Christ, your life is already gone. It's been given away. Okay? He told them that. Don't do it. Unless you're ready to do it. It's our identification with Christ. So let me ask you. Ready? What you be about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who do you identify with? Right? I'm an American. That's nice. So am I. Oh, I'm a Republican. Okay. All right? Whatever. I'm a Democrat. Okay, I'll pick on both of you. All right? That's not your identity, ladies and gentlemen. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Baptism is just your first step. It's your first step of obedience. Amen. If you haven't been baptized, let me know. We'll get it out. We'll get it done. But it's not about the, it's not about the act. It's about the willingness of the heart to say, hey, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. You know? I'm with him. What he says is what I say. What he does is what I do. Where he goes, I go. That's what he's looking for. But check this out. In whose name do you baptize? Jesus specified that we are to baptize disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, you know, let me go a little bit on my other side of me. People are like, well, how does, you know, the Trinity is not in the Scripture. Why do you believe in the Trinity? Because it's right there. There it is. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And who does Jesus equate now? That they're all the same. They're all even. Okay, the use of the singular name implies clearly that the listing of the three persons should be, should be thought of as one name. Here he clearly, the affirmation of the doctrine of the Trinity, one God in three distinct persons. So people, oh, you guys believe in the Trinity. You know, I love my, I, I have lots of Muslim friends around my son and they're, you know, they think we believe in three gods. I go, no, we believe in one God in three persons. And they well, the, the Trinity is not even found in the Bible. There it is right there. And Jesus puts himself on the same level as the Father and the Holy Spirit. So when he was saying that, it was what? He goes, hey, I'm God too. Oh, Jesus never said he was God. When you baptize, whose name do you baptize in? You baptize in the name of Christ. We say, just like the scripture says, we baptize you know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's what we believe. Right? That's what we do. That's the name that which you come into. 
The believer who chooses to submit to baptism into this name identifies with God's name, as well as the spiritual family and others who identify with the same name. Let me just give you a segue here or a little thing. Ladies, when you get married, old school, when you get married, what do, what do you guys do, ladies? You take his name, right? Because you're saying, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, that's, that's the love of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer my own. I am his. You identify by his name now. When they see you, they say, oh, Mr. and Mrs., right? Was that too real? That was the application was wrong? Okay, think about it. Chew on it, all right? That's who you're identifying with, okay? You're choosing the same thing that. You're coming into Christ, you're coming to a new identification. You start seeing themselves as a new citizen of God's kingdom, as God's children, as brothers and sisters in Christ under the rulership of the Messiah. This is why we call each other familia. We're family. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me. And whether I like it or not, I'm stuck with you, amen? All right, we're together. You know, even in, even in heaven, we're going to be together. Okay? Get used to it. We got a million years plus. All right? Together. Why? Because we're family. In Christ, we identify as one. Why? Because Christ, God is one. Okay? I just wanted to give you that. We identify as one, one name. Number three. Ready? So, we're going, we're going, we're baptizing. And the last participle here, okay? Number three, making disciples requires teaching them. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, okay? Represents the other half of the disciples' ministry, the ministry of edification. Those who are already believers, okay? Oh, I came to Christ. Yes, I got baptized. Do you stop? No. The goal is to grow now, right, moms? Right? Okay, I had the baby. Yeah, but now you got to feed it and take care of it and help it grow and, and, you know, turn it into a, a young, beautiful adult. It's a blessing to the world. Okay? That's what you do. Your goal and my goal is to look like Christ. So every day we are being edified. Okay? We're sinning under the teaching of the... They did it under the apostles. We do it under the pastors. Okay? It comes from the word didasco. This is where we get the word for um, deacon. It means to be taught systematically. One, two, three, four. Anybody was in dance and in dance class this morning, right? You were doing teaching. You were being catechized. That was catechism that we were doing, okay? You were learning the essentials of the faith. That's what we're called to do. We're called to observe them, okay? To observe. Jesus instructed us not only to teach content, but to train, listen, but to train people into obedient action, okay? It's not enough just to love and to give and to go. You got to do this stuff. If not, the world says you guys are a bunch of hypocrites, Okay? This is why we're going to train you to do it. Hey, how does love look like? I'm going to show you. How does living look like? We're going to show you. How does giving look like? We're going to show you. What is going? We're going to show you. 
we not only show you. We don't want just to, for you to know it here. It has to move here. And then eventually it has to move here to your hands. You got to go. And sometimes they say the biggest or the, you know, the longest distance in the world is? Anybody? Pastor Darrell probably knows this. But the longest distance in the world is between here and here. Let me say that again. The largest distance in the world of travel is from here to here. Because you might know things cognitively. Oh, I understand. I don't care that you understand. Are you obeying? I'll say it to you like this. Ready? This is what Jesus says. I know that you love me if, conditional clause, preposition, if you what? Keep my commands, observe my commands, obey my commands. Talk is cheap, people. We got to go. This world is dying, and we're sitting here nice and comfortable. Time to get a little bit uncomfortable, people. We got to go. We got to go. We got to share the good news so they might believe. Then they can identify Christ, and then they can be edified so they continue to look like him because it's not just knowing it's observing, it's understanding, it's obeying. Fulfilling the teaching portion of the Great Commission, we take believers at every stage of their spiritual, of every stage of spiritual maturity to the next stage of growth. Until you all look like Christ, we are not done. This is why in our life group ministry, it says this, this is the mission, everyone to maturity, some to leadership. Let me ask you, Honest, okay? Honest. Show hands. Ready? How many of you guys are mature right now, fully mature? Raise your hand. Thank you. How many of you guys are being observant and obedient and growing in your faith by participating in what we offer? About half of you. Why? It should be 100%. I'm not picking on you. I'm challenging you. I'm calling you up. I'm not calling you out. Nobody here heard me say someone's son's name. But I'm saying, hey, come on, church. Let's go. Let's go. We got time to waste. We got to go. We got to prepare. We got to learn our skills. We have to be ready to refute the devil and all the lies that he has out there and demonstrate it, not with just our mouth, but with our actions. And you're not going to do that at home watching, you know, Hallmark. You got to get trained up. We have to train you. And we got to go together. Amen? We got to move you. From infancy to brand new believer to various levels of spiritual adulthood, okay? Every believer should be in progress towards a per the perfect character of Christ, okay? This is what the job of the pastors do. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some to be blah, 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 blah. What? To equip the saints for ministry. That's what I'm saying. When we go out to battle, you know, we go together. All right? When I was a uh, squad leader in the Marines, I would like, okay, I got 13 guys. Let's go. Come on, move. You guys are shooting. These guys are moving. Go, go, go. But we all have to go. 
We're taking care of one another. We're moving forward. This is what it is. The believer who is the most mature, listen, the believer who is the most mature will be re most ready to listen and learn from even the newest member of the family. When you think you got it all figured out, you ain't got nothing figured out. How are you to learn? We have finite minds, and we're learning an infinite being. <laughs> Come on. I can't wait to get to heaven and pull up, like, the DVD section, you know? I just want to say, okay, show me Genesis day one. You know, I want to see that. Get some popcorn. Go, ooh, that's how we did it. You know? I, I want to get to that. I, I, you know, I also want to meet who was the first Valentine. You know? Like, could you imagine if I get to see my original, original, original? Who's the first one of me? Where I get my name from? I want to see that. I, I geek out on God sometimes. Love him. Just want to not only love him with my mind, but with every part of me. I love sharing God's good with God's word with people. I love, I kind of love it. I really love it when people get the light turns on. They go, oh, I get it now. I'm like, okay, good. You got it. Now go do it. <laughs> okay. That's nice that you know it. But now you got to go do it. Okay. Matthew's last words as the concluding promise from the Messiah surely adds to the assurance. I tell you the truth. Okay. I am with you always. Now, think about it. If Christ were right here, like literally, like right here, right now, who would be afraid to obey him? Nobody, right? If he said, hey, go across the street and go knock on that door and talk to those people, you'd be like, okay, let's go. I'm going with you. Let's go. You got to understand that he is with us always. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You got the same power that rose Christ from the dead. So you got no excuse. All you got to do is tap into the power. Say, okay, here we go. God, you said you're going with me. So let's go. I don't know about you, but my Holy Spirit is portable. Okay? He goes where I go. I go where he goes. Amen? So as we're going, right? We're, our mission is to make disciples. You and me have to look like Christ. We're going to love we're going to live. We're going to give. But we're not going. Think of it as not go, but going. Are you going, church? Here's the challenge. As the worship team comes up, let me ask you. I'm not, and forgive me, we've all grown up in a tradition. You might have, I've learned there's people here that have been in this church for 30, 40, 50 years. Amen. Don't rely on your tradition to get you to heaven. Oh, I was a member of Long Grove Community Church. Yeah, but your name is not written in the book of life. So remember around the membership of Long Grove, that was nice. Or First Baptist or whatever. Or First, you know, St. Peter's. It doesn't matter. Is your name written in the book of life? Do you know Christ personally? Have you accepted the gift of his sacrifice? Okay? Hopefully all of you have. If you haven't, I challenge you. Come, let's, let's talk. Okay? So that you could become a child of God. Number two, 
Here's ready, church. How, us, how many of us need to obey? For all of us, right? Do me a favor. I'm not saying you're going to do it today. But in 2024, as we prepare, would you be willing to say, I'm going to get ready to go, and then I'm going to go? If you are, would you please stand up? Okay? Heavenly Father, you're preparing for us for such a time as this to be ready with you, Lord, to love you, live in a relationship with other believers in Jesus Christ, to give it all away, Lord, for you, and to eventually go. We want to be and do these things, not just on the wall, but in our hearts and in our minds and in our hands. We want to live these things out, these values out. So, God, I ask that you would anoint every believer here with the power of the Holy Spirit, so they would walk in obedience to you. Not just they would know the commands, Lord, but they would walk in obedience to those commands. That those values on the wall would be the values of their heart. And us as a church, God, we would be those people that are living transformed lives. That we would be that picture of Christ so that everybody could see us and go, wow, yeah, that's Long Grove Church. We know them. And the people say, how? Because they do what they say and they say what they do. Yeah, those people are real. So, Heavenly Father, help us to be real. Not perfect. None of us are, Lord. It's to be obedient, to be real, to love you. And God, thank you for everything you are doing and continue to do in us and through us, Lord, especially in the next thousand days. We thank you once again, and we praise you in the church of Christ. Said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship.